Are we awake? Yes. We're all good? We're very quiet this morning. Um, I don't even know where I'm just kind of happy to be in front of you guys. Tell you what, why don't you stand up for a moment? We're going to pray together. Like Emery just said, this series, it was a bit of a spontaneous series, which hindsight, it would be totally clever if we said that and planned it like that, right? But we didn't. I really believe God has so much in this series for us. And we actually, we don't know when we're going to end it yet. We're just going to keep going week by week. So I believe that today, as we continue on with spiritual gifts, Like Amory said, I, I, I think walls are going to be broken down today. Mindsets are going to be broken down. Really believing that some of you are going to walk away, if not all of us walking away today, feeling equipped and empowered to walk you know, into this life with Jesus and to walk into the fullness of what he has for us. So what I want to read is, um, before we even pray, just thinking, how expectant are we? How expectant are we when we come into church? When we walk through that gate, grab our coffee, start to see family and friends, how expectant are we that we're in the house of God and we're going to come face to face with our Creator? Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. This is all I'm going to read from that. They were all together in one place. Some translations say they were unified. They were in unity in this upper room. These people were gathered together, unified, and expectant to see God move. And what took place? To find the rest of history. Completely changed everything. So I want to pose this question to you as we even, before we even pray today, what, is, what stance are you taking today? Are we going to sit back and just feel like, oh, I just feel so relaxed, I'm just going to chill? Or are you going to be on the front foot and say, God, I actually want to get everything that you have for me. Yeah. This spiritual gift you know, topic, God, I want more. Yeah. I believe there's more in this. Yeah. And whatever I've been told, whatever I've seen, there's actually more because it's from you. So if we want to actually step into what he has for us, we should come with an expectant heart, right? We should be ready to see God move. Because if I look at this room right here, I think it's very close to see it's it's just like this upper room in Acts 2. Because we are unified and we are all together. We are here as one and we're expectant to see God move. We don't come here just to sing songs and just to see people. We could do that throughout the week as well. We come here to encounter the living God. Amen? So let's go ahead and pray together like God is here. Like we believe that he is amidst us. Amen? So Father, we are so grateful. Here we are unified as one body, God, as one people coming together to worship you, to come around your word, Father. But we don't just come and sit back just to to be fed. We come with an expectant heart and we want to lean into everything that you have for us today, God. We want to pull all of the richness, God, that's in your word and what you have for us today. Father, may none of us leave the same this morning. May we leave impacted in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead and grab your seat. I'm already pumped. I'm, 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 I'm ready to go now. This is good. Um, 
So for those of you that were not here last week, we started off literally with scratching the surface of spiritual gifts because this is something that's so big. In fact, it's so big, I think a lot of churches don't even go there. And I'm not calling churches out. It's not, it's a big topic. It's not easy. And there's, to be frank, there's a lot of mystery with spiritual gifts. There's a lot that we don't know. And so what happens is when we don't know, we kind of brush it off to the side and we don't want to talk about it. But we're going to confront it today. We're going to continue to. And we're going to believe that God's going to speak to us. So we're going to go after it this morning. But last week we began in the book of Corinthians and talked about how the gifts are gifts of grace. The word that we said, the Greek word that Paul used was charismata, which meant gifts of grace. And these are gifts of grace. It has nothing to do with what we've done. has nothing to do with who we are, like what we deserve. God has graced us with these gifts. He's given them to us to edify the body, to build up the body. That, But then so also people could know that he is God and he is alive and well. And he is amidst us. And he is a God that moves in power and in grace and in love. Amen? I'm getting excited already. I hope you guys are going to meet me here at some point. You've got to up your level a little. We also talked about, I wish I had like a, a whiteboard for this, but picture, picture a circle. We talk, talked about this natural rhythm to spiritual gifts. And the way that I described this is, there was three levels of it, three points, and it's pictured like a circle, and these, these points would be around the circle. And the first one was awareness. We become aware of spiritual gifts and what gifts are out there. The next level would be acknowledge. We acknowledge that we have gifts. We've been given these gifts. And the, the word, like, what's nice is uh, in Merriam-Webster in the, in the dictionary, the word acknowledge, it actually says that it, the definition is to recognize authority and the status of. So I really believe that step for us in this cycle is we're recognizing that authority that's been given and the authority that we have in these gifts. And then the final piece to that was activate, to activate these gifts. So we have awareness, we have acknowledgement, and then we have activation. And it's a circle, it's like a wheel. Because it continues to go and go and go. Because once you've identified your gifts or one gift, God graces us. And there's a whole lot more out there. Yeah. And seasons look different. So you're going to experience this in different seasons. You might experience multiple gifts in the same season even. So it's the same process of awareness, acknowledgement, activation. Awareness, acknowledgement, activation. We always need to activate these gifts. What I'd love to do is to get us all on the same page. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read verses 4 through 11. This is out of the NIV. Verse 4. And Paul says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Remember, same, same essence, different expression. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. 
to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit. Again, same God, different gifts. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation, excuse me, of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as he determines. It's grace. We don't really have a say. It's not what we do. It's not who we've been. It's not who we will become. It's because of who God is why we receive these gifts of grace. And it's all distributed by him as he determines. Quick context of him speaking into this church in Corinth. Corinth was a lot like San Francisco. Massive port city, it was booming, there's a lot of business going on, it was really, really popular. People wanted to live there, it was eclectic, so many arts and just different things going on in the city, right? Well, people started to get really spiritual and they started to embrace spirituality, but they didn't always embrace the gospel. People started to get into spiritual stuff, so like magic, whatever it may be, all these things, like they were into this and they were intrigued by this. But everyone was intrigued by spiritual things because of how it made them feel or what it brought to them or because of the status that it gave them. It made them look more important. It made them look like they're, you know, a higher status than other people, maybe more educated, more gifted. But something was off. Because this even started to leak into the church, this heart of like wanting these things for themselves. They wanted gifts for themselves. So a lot of people were activated and moving in gifts. And that's why Paul all of a sudden is like, hold on, let's talk about this some more. This is why it brings up there needs to be unity and there needs to be love. There needs to be all of these things. Like I know what you guys are doing outside of here. And a lot of people inside the church were dabbling with everything. I'll take a little bit of here from this God out here. And then I'll come to church and because I, I love this because there's power behind this and Paul speaks with authority and he's charismatic. I love hearing him so I want to come and get some of that. It's like a little bits and pieces, whatever people wanted, right? It was all based on their agenda. But then he's saying, no, 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 it has nothing to do with you. It's all gifts of grace. It's how God determines and it's in unity where these gifts thrive. So in chapter 12, Paul starts teaching about this. Then in chapter 13, excuse me, at the end of chapter 12, he also says, verse 31, he tells them, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So he talks about what we just spoke about, some of the gifts. Then he goes into describing the gifts as a body, holistically, as the parts of the body working together, an ebb and flow to it all, working in unison, right? Achieving a common goal. And at the very end, he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Chapter 13 comes. And a lot of us might know chapter 13 already is kind of the love chapter. And he brings this weight to it all of a sudden, says all of these gifts, if I had, you know, the gift of prophecy, if I had this, if I had that, but I don't love. But I don't have love. 
It's nothing. It's all in vain. It's all a waste. It's just all for show. What you guys are doing outside of church, like his people, when you're coming, they're coming in. What you're doing outside of church, like, that's just all in vain. You're trying to build yourself up just to show off and to be better and feel better about yourself. But if you're not loving, what good is it? So he goes into that and he starts to teach them again, you know, in chapter 13, how important it is to love. And he says, you know, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Amen. But then chapter 14 comes. In verse 1, he reiterates that. He says, follow the way of love. But then he says, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Church, where are we at with that? Are we eagerly desiring the gifts of the Spirit? Are we actually pursuing these and running after these gifts so that God can operate and move through us? We saw all throughout the first portion of Scripture that we read in chapter 12, they're all by the same Spirit. They're all given by the Spirit. He's very intentional about the language he uses. He said it at the end of every single sentence. He'd say a gift, but then it comes by the Spirit, the same Spirit. This gift, and that would perk up everybody's ears. Yes, I want that. Same Spirit. You want this too? Same Spirit. Not a million gods, not all the other gods that you have outside of church, maybe not all your other interests and stuff. The same Spirit. Now, what I really believe God wants us to camp in today is this. If the Holy Spirit provides these, right? These gifts. Then should not the discovery and our discovery of these gifts be a spiritual experience? Think about that for a moment. If he gives us these gifts, should not the discovery, our discovery of our own gifts that God has given us, shouldn't that be a spiritual experience? Why has it become systematic? Why, and I'm speaking to myself, and I know this is a little hard for some of us to hear. We're like, what the heck? We just went from super pumped to all you're going to be confronting. I wore my boots. We're going to be kicking down walls today with these things. <laughs> Amen? Why have we taken something that's mysterious and sacred and holy, and we've made it fit into a systematic structure so we can fully understand it and feel good about it and write the rules for it. I told you last week I did some homework and I did a spiritual gift test online. Well, I ramped it up this week. I was, we're at dinner the other night, the three of us, uh, Lee and Ken and myself, and talking about this. And I said, I actually went on, I took a total probably of five, actually. Five different tests. Because, quick disclaimer, bear with me. We're, gonna, we're going off the, the, the beaten path here for a moment. 
I come from an environment and an upbringing. When I first came to church, I was never taught about gifts. I was taught by the only gifts that were around were gifts of administration and to make the church go around. Those are the only gifts. And I get it. And I say this with a humble heart, but I believe that sometimes those gifts are pushed so much because of the agenda that's behind it. That we've left out the other gifts. So I did these spiritual gift tests, and I, because, like I said, I grew up not knowing about these. I knew that there's a small pool, and the other ones were just in the Bible, and they're just for the apostles and people during biblical times. It wasn't for now. God didn't need to move like that anymore. We now have the Bible. So we don't need signs and wonders. We don't need God to speak to us mysteriously. We don't need God to move through us. We don't need God to miraculously heal people. That's what medicine is for. We don't need prophecy. We don't need words of knowledge, wisdom, any of that stuff. No miracles. We don't need any of it. Because we have church and we have the Bible. For years, in my experience, that completely derailed me on my journey. Because anything I looked at that was spiritually related, I looked at as weird. I wanted nothing to do with it. It made me feel uncomfortable. I didn't know about it. So I wanted nothing to do with it. Back to the spiritual gift test. Now, I did this because I'm curious, as a pastor, as a church leader, I want to understand what our people are looking towards. Because I know many of us in this room, we're we're wanting to find out what spiritual gifts we have. And I'm so excited about that, you guys. I love it. And I talked about last week, these, these lists and these websites, it's great. It's a tool. But it's meant to inspire. It's not meant to hinder or to limit. But we've taken these websites and these spiritual gift tests as the gospel. It's the end all be all. So what happened when Craig went and took these spiritual gift tests? Three of them were about the same, my results. The other two, completely different. Completely different. I'm not exactly like being bipolar. (laughs) Like it was crazy, it was crazy, like this is, Me answering the same way, but I was getting a different answer for everything. This actually brought me back years years ago when I started this journey of looking into spiritual gifts and wanting to actually operate in them and see God move in this way. What it brought me back to is this place of almost disappointment to see like, oh, well, that's my gift. I just need to deal with it, right? Because there's some that are like so exciting and seem really neat and like really intriguing. And then they're all amazing. Hello, obviously, disclaimer. But then you could walk away from them and be like, that's really what I'm gifted in. I would have never thought that. Okay. And so that's what I like. After taking these, I thought, man, this would be so discouraging to some people. Or this is what we've equipped our church with the church in general, the big C church. We've equipped the church with these tools, and this is all people use. 
Which knowing, like, hear me out. I'm not knocking these. I just think we have to be very cautious with these things. See, the spiritual gifts test, they're actually based on objective strength finders. Right? That's how they've done these. They measure our talents and our preferences. Fair enough. But how have we taken something like that's so objective and we've designated it to define something so sacred? And they work, they're helpful. You know, at times you'll see, okay, well, this sounds good. I could try this out. Like, this sounds like a great gift. I just feel like the, the air just got yanked out of this room. Everyone's staring at me. We'll get there. This is, this is encouraging. Now, the thing is that I just want to acknowledge what some of the things can happen, like some things can happen from these taking the test. Is like if you use that as the end-all, be-all, and you print up your results, and you put on your desk, your mirror, and you look at that every day, and this is all, this is what I have, this is what I have, this is what I have. It, you'll get towards that goal, hopefully, but like it's going to limit you. And what it can do is unfortunately it can produce and promote spiritual independence instead of spiritual reliance. Because we find out our gift and we know what we're gifted in and we could operate in that and we could do that really good. Let's be honest. Because if it's already measuring our talents and measuring our preferences, it's not going to be that hard to operate in that. So where's our space for God? Where's our need for God in this? And we've taken this measuring system and we place tremendous value on it because we value intellect and we value understanding, which is great, and we need that. However, there's a balance. There's intellect, there's understanding, but there's also a God who we cannot fathom and cannot fully understand. Yet we're still using this to completely define. As I was going around on these these different websites and looking for spiritual gift tests and spiritual gift quizzes, I actually saw some of the, the Google results. People have been looking up notes and cliff notes for these things. That is where society's at. We treat it as a, right? We treat this as like a complete like academic venture. Like everything about it is intellectual. We need to understand it. We, you know, it's like A plus B equals C. That's how it works. We do this. We put it in this framework and it's gonna be good. We pull it out of scripture, put it here. There's the formula. There we go. Boom, there's your spiritual gift. Off you go, and you're happy forever after, right? What's interesting is, amidst all of this, you know, we could base our gifts on these talents and these preferences. Um, So much so that we dismiss anything that might be uncomfortable or unfamiliar to us which means possibly what God actually wants us to do. We're saying, well, I'm not passionate about that, or I'm not gifted in that, so it can't be that. I'm good at this, so it has to be this. 
right? Anyone with me or is it just, just me? Good. We're seeing a little bit of life coming back into you guys. Don't worry. You can still go home and take a spiritual gift test after this. It's okay. I'm not going to condemn you. I mentioned last week at the end of the sermon, I said our greatest obstacle with spiritual gifts is between our two ears. It's our mind. It really is. And it's our mindsets. Along with that, there's the fear of the unknown or the comfortability where we can reside in. And uh, why, why not? I'm already stepping on toes, and people probably, bless you, listen to the podcast. And then we also even use, say, the gift of discernment. And we could basically label it probably throughout North America that the gift of discernment is comfortability as well. Because I'm using my spiritual discernment. I shouldn't be doing that, or I don't want to do that. Or like, oh no, God doesn't really put that on my heart for this. When like, we're completely dismissing anything else because we're comfortable in doing what's familiar to us. You get me? And a lot of times we masquerade that as having the gift of discernment. I'm just going for it on, on all of them, right? Do you still love me, church? Yeah. All right. <laughs> One of the dangers of us doing this, and when we work out of our familiarity and our, 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 you know, our natural talents and our natural gifting is we really just relegate God to a spectator in all of this. He's no longer a contributor or partner. He's just sitting on the sidelines, and it's all... It's all good, God, because I know my gift or my gifts, and I'm working through them for you. Even though maybe it's supposed to be the other way around, that you work through me and with me for you. It gets better, though. What I want to do is, I'm going to give you, I'm going to try and turn this around. I'm going to give you some areas to begin, some practical steps, along with if you want to do an online test. For those of you that don't know your spiritual gifts, this is what we're, I'm just going to give you a few steps, and what I'm going to label this is the initial phase of self-reflection, okay? So bear with me in this. So how, you, how would you get started with this? Some of the questions that you could be asking yourself is, what do you feel drawn to? What burns inside of you? What appeals to you most? And obviously, I just spent a whole lot of disclaimer and time talking about like us being comfortable and stuff. But like, you could see where we could use these, this as a guide, but then it's not the end-all, be-all. Yeah. What brings you most joy? What do you find refreshing? What do you find fulfilling? Have you ever noticed that there's so, some moments on a Sunday where you might be so tired, but then you come and serve, and you feel so refreshed afterwards? Or you're so tired, you're like, oh, I don't want to get up, I don't want to go to church. And then you go, and you're like, man, I'm so glad I did, God. That was amazing. You showed up, and I feel so inspired. So what do you find most refreshing? What do you find fulfilling? What is God saying to you? What does God say? Because he does speak to you, and he wants to speak to you. Side note, this is for everybody, because God speaks to all of us. Not just a few, not just pastors, not leaders, everybody. So what is God saying to you? And I'm going to go on a limb and say this. 
on his character, I could guarantee it. If you sit with him and you ask him, he's going to tell you because that's who he is. That is who he is. He may not answer you in 30 seconds like you want or in a minute when you want, but God will answer you. God will speak to you. So what, are, what do others see in you? What do others in your church family see in you? What do they call out in you? Man, you have such a gift of this on your life, you know? So-and-so, you, you know, you're so encouraging. Isaiah, you're so gifted communicating scripture. That was for free. See what I'm saying? In community. In community. This takes place. Then what's the next step? So we have the self-reflection phase, and we have all, asking all these questions and really sitting with God, what are these gifts? What are the gifts, God, that you might have for me? Or God, maybe it just comes to a point where you just need to give it a go. Because the next section would be practice. Practice makes perfect, right? Practice is messy. We don't do church too well messy, do we? Practice should be messy. I once heard an amazing pastor, actually Bill Johnson from Bethel in Reading, and he described um, teaching people, young people, how to hear the voice of God and how he does it. He says, you know, the way I look at it is, is I, I treat it the same way I treat teaching my children how to ride a bicycle. When we first pull the training wheels off, he's like, I would take them to a park that was covered in grass. So when they fall, they wouldn't hurt themselves. And in the same way, when you step out and when you practice in an environment that's a community of people that love you, it's going to be the same thing. It's not going to be something if you go up to somebody and say, God's really put this on my heart to encourage you, or God's given me this for you, or can I pray for you to, to be healed? And then you pray for them and they're not instantly healed. They're still going to love you. It's still a safe place. Which is why it's so important for us to exercise these gifts in community. If we aren't able to step out in faith in community, how do we expect to step out in faith outside of the four walls of church? Right? It's never going to happen. It's never going to take place. So practice is messy. Some of you just need to walk away with that today. Practice is messy. It's okay. You could be okay with the mess. You're learning. God is working through you. Some of you are growing. This is part of those words that God spoke over church, right? House is a home for people to be, to grow, to thrive. Growing is messy at times, but that's okay. You're never going to see the growth, and you're never going to hit that point of thriving if you don't go through the mess and you're not okay with it. Amen? Amen. Keep going. Don't allow yourself to be discouraged. Don't stop. Persevere. This is the same reason Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4 tells young Timothy, he says, don't neglect the gift that's been given to you. Actually, the gift of grace, the charisma that's been given to you. Do not neglect this. This was given to you by the laying on of hands. Don't neglect this gift. Fan into flame this gift. Practice this gift. It takes work. Keep at it. How many of us, when we... I know this. When there's a gifting, I'm like, God, I want to see you work this way through my life. And I try like once or twice, and all of a sudden, I'm done with that. Woo, I'm definitely not hearing from you. Go up to try and encourage somebody, and you're like, hey, I really feel Kat, like God's put this on my heart for you. And Kat just looks at me like I'm speaking Swahili to her or something. And she was like, what are you saying? 
Walking away, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. On to the next one. Don't give up. How else do you expect to really understand and be familiar with the, the voice of God if you don't practice hearing his voice? If we don't understand his voice, you don't just hear his voice. All of a sudden, the heavens break open and the, everything starts quaking and you hear his voice and you go, okay, that was God. Craig. <laughs> Goest thou overhearest and prayest for this person, right? He doesn't always speak like that. It's like the other night I had dinner with the... Alex and Paulina, I felt so stupid. I was like, so God speaks to you in Spanish, right? When he's, and she's like, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. That's your pastor. Um, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and land this plane here in a second. Something I want you to, to also understand is that gifting-wise, there is more. I'm just going to come out and say this. A lot of us are stuck on finding one gift. I, yeah, there is way too much scripture saying that there is more. So why would we hold back? Why does James chapter four, right, say, you have not because you ask not. You don't have because you don't ask God. Why wouldn't we be asking? Paul's saying be eager for these gifts. He's not saying be eager for one and don't be greedy. That's all you get, right? That's all this grace is good for. That's all it's good for. You got the Holy Spirit, but hey, uh, you just get your little measure, you a little measure, you a little measure, you a little measure. Even though when Jesus received the Spirit, Scripture says that he received the Spirit without measure. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in who? Amen. You see where we're going with this? Ask for more. And the thing is, there might be days, there might be months, there might be years that go by in a gifting that you've desired or that maybe something never even surfaced. And then all of a sudden, because hashtag timing, hello, because it's the right time, it's the right place, it's the right environment, it's the right need, and God shows up and you experience a gift that you've only heard about. Amen? So we need to keep at it. We can't let off. Don't let off. Spiritual gifts should be far more dynamic than they should be static, but we're treating them the opposite way. Remember, we're still working and operating in black and white and like box people when God has called us to be fluid and live in full HD, full color. It should be dynamic. There's no spiritual gifts, right? Without spirit. We could just leave it there. There's no spiritual gifts without spirit. And what I believe actually can take place is when our heart is aligned with God and we're walking in sync with him. Why don't I, oh, worship team, you want to come on up? That was a bit impromptu, but yeah. You guys come on up. I'm getting excited. When we're walking in sync with God, I really believe that our, when our hearts are aligned with him, that it, a desire in us can be awakened for the very thing that he's wanting to impart in us. And a lot of times we brush it off and think that it's something selfish or it's like, oh, it's just my flesh wanting to see this, you know, God move this way through me. Why are we boxing God in? Because when we're walking in sync with God, the creator of heaven and earth, and we're walking step and step by step with Holy Spirit, why wouldn't he birth a desire in us to see some of these greater gifts? Maybe we need to change our language and say, God's actually put this on my heart. Yeah. 
because I desire it. So I know he's a good father and I know he wants to move through me because it's not just for me. This gift is for everybody else. Amen? See, it's one thing for us, church, to have the Holy Spirit and it's a whole another thing for the Holy Spirit to have us. The more we yield the more we allow God to actually partner with us. The more we get out of the way, we create space for God, the creator of heaven and earth, to move through us. Again, I was talking with the guys the other night, and we're talking about the church in Corinth, and Paul talking to these people, and him listing out the gifts. And there's only like three to four tops passages in the Bible with, with gifts, right? That list them off. Everybody uses the same one. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, okay? If you want to ask me again, come after church. I'll show you where all of them are. That's where you're going to find them all. Same thing, and everybody builds all the doctrines and everything off of that. But like, what happened if this is like Corinth? And I'm talking to you. I'm like Paul, and I'm talking about the gifts. I'm calling out what I see in the room. Paul was speaking to a specific group of people, which is why he was calling out what was in the room, all of these gifts. So why are we limiting all the spiritual gifts to what was in one room? Why are we limiting what God can do to what was just in one room in people's gifts and talents when God could actually do so much more? We're going to continue on next week and probably the week after the week after, and we're actually going to talk about specific gifts. But I really felt it was important for, for us to camp here today. Because my prayer for all of you, Amory and I's prayer for all of you, is that this church, this community, will be marked by the presence and power of God. That you will be disciples and sons and daughters of the Most High God that, is, that are operating in their spiritual gifts. Not just sitting back and being happy and clappy at church and loving people, but you're actually allowing the living God to move through you in power. That's going to speak to San Francisco. That's going to speak to the nations. When they see all of a sudden, wow, this God is actually real. It's not just clever instruments and songs and clever talks like TED Talks that they're doing, but I'm actually witnessing something miraculous. God wants to do that through us today, church. He wants to do that through us right now, but are we eager? Are we willing? That's all we have to be, and God will do the rest. Spiritual gifts was always meant to be far more about relationship than it was about learning something. The more we walk in sync with God, the more that's going to be unlocked within us. Because this always was supposed to be less of an academic pursuit and more of a spiritual adventure. Amen? Let's worship together.